Okay, so we're in the book of Luke tonight, and today, uh, tonight really is kind of part two of what I did this morning. Um, but if you, you could either listen to, to uh, part one on the, the, um, the thing me, yeah, that's at the podcast, or you could watch it on YouTube, or just go with tonight. Either will work. We're looking at um, Luke chapter eight, and my question tonight is Are you part of the crowd or are you a disciple? Are you part of the crowd or are you a disciple? Because Jesus embraces the crowd. He loves the crowd. He embraces the crowd. He champions the crowd. But He makes a a very clear distinction between the crowd and being a disciple, or in this case, not only being a disciple, but being part of His family, His true family. As he says, now you've got to be careful when people start talking about, uh, you know, come and be part of the true family of God. If someone says that to you, freak out. It's probably a cult. Don't go there. Part of the true family of God. But when Jesus himself is saying there's a difference between the crowd and the true family of God, we need to listen to him, what he's saying, because he's obviously making a point here. And, um, we're left with a number of questions. I'll read the passage in a minute, but I'm left with a number of questions from the passage. And tonight I'm left with three that I thought we'd touch on quickly. The first one is, am I a part of the crowd or am I family? The second is, why was Jesus so rude? And the third is, how do I become part of his family? Well, that was the third, yeah. So we're going to Luke chapter 8 and verse 19 to 21. It's a short passage, but it reads like this. Then Jesus... Mother and sorry, then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, Your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and obey it. At first reading, and you can read it also in Matthew and in Mark. And those ones probably a little bit more than here. At first reading, it appears that Jesus is just really rude to his mother and to his brother. And and it's like, you know, your mother and your brother, it's kind of like Jan, you know, if I'm if I'm somewhere and Jan comes in and goes, Oh, Sheridan, is Sheridan in there? Can I speak to him, please? And I go, You are my wife. And Jan's standing at the door wanting to come and see me, and I'm ignoring her. And I'm going to you, no, no, you're my true wife, which makes no sense. But, you know, that's kind of what's happening. But I don't actually think Jesus was being rude at all. Because number one, they're not even in the room. Uh, And number two, he's simply using it as a uh, moment of teaching, which Jesus is really, really good at. He seizes every and every, every moment and turns it into a teaching opportunity. And that's what he's doing in this case. He's making the point to the crowd, because as I said, his family aren't even in the room, so he's not talking to the family. So I don't think it was rude at all what he said. And thirdly, it's not even the point of the passage. So we don't need to worry too much about that. What I do want to touch on tonight is this. Am I a part of the crowd or family? And how do I become part of the family? Because Jesus himself says, no, no, the disciples are my true family. 
He's in the crowd. He's got the crowd gathered round him. He's talking. He's uh, engaged with them. They're pressing in on him. And uh, a message comes from outside and it says, it's uh, saying, your mother is out there with your brothers and they'd like to talk to you. And he looks to the people, and I think it's in um, Mark, uh, see Mark or Matthew. It says, he pointed to his disciples and he said, these are my true family, ones who hear and obey, ones who hear and obey. So he's making a point there. Jesus knows who his true family is. He wants everybody to be part of his family, but we can actually exclude ourselves from being part of Jesus' family. One of the scariest scriptures in the, in the Bible to me personally is this one, Matthew chapter 7. It says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, and we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Then it carries on and it says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on, the, on a solid rock. Though the rain comes and torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on the sand, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against it, the house will collapse with a mighty crash. So Jesus' true family and a wise person actually have the same characteristics. So you're wise if you're part of Jesus' true family. I think it's wonderful when you're in a situation where you feel like you're a little bit on the altar and then suddenly you become part of the group. It's a fantastic feeling. I can remember when I was a a young fellow, I used to play in a brass band and um, the brass band was a pretty close-knit family. And I remember coming in there and and just being a young fellow coming in and I felt like I was really on the altar felt uncomfortable, felt like I didn't belong. It was all these foreign people who were really good at what they did and just a young kid coming in there and and trying to learn the ways. And then over time, I remember making a few friends and suddenly you start to become part of the family. And the feeling when you start to become part of the family, part of the group, is a wonderful feeling. It's a great feeling. I remember the same thing when I used to race motorcycles. You know, you turn up the first few times, you don't know anybody, you don't know what you're doing. You're on the altar and people make sure you know you, they know or that you know that you're on the altar. Then over a little bit of time, you start to make a few connections, a few friends, and then you start to learn the, the language and all those kind of things and, and you start to become part of the group. And when you become part of the group, it's a great feeling. I can remember going to a new church and having exactly the same experience. I feel on the altar. I don't know anybody. Everybody seems to know everybody, but I don't know anybody. If that's you tonight, just keep persisting. It'll be okay. And you just, 
you go a few times, you make a couple of connections, you get to know one person, you get to know another person. Then all of a sudden, before you know it, you start to feel like you're part of the family and you're doing this thing. Actually, if you are new to church and you want, you want a shortcut to that process, just start serving somewhere. It, it makes the process a whole lot shorter. You get to know people quicker. But, um, you know, it feels really good. Then, of course, we've all had the other experience, haven't we? Well, most of us. I have. When they're picking the team. How many have had the picking the team experience at school? You know what I'm talking about. You're standing there in absolute hope that they're going to pick you. And they pick the person beside you. And then they pick the person down that end. It gets to two people left. The teams are all made up. It's you and it's the other person. And they pick the other person, which means the team you get on, they don't even want you there, but you're there because you're in the queue. Has anyone else other than me had that experience? I, I, I don't believe it. I reckon more of us have had that experience than that. Either that or I'm a loser. I'm a secure loser, though, so it's okay. It's okay. I'll pray for your healing later. So how do you move from being part of the crowd to what Jesus would call, this is my real mother, my real brothers, and my real sisters? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be part of the crowd. I want to be in the group that Jesus says, this group, these ones here, he pointed to them, the disciples. He pointed to them and he said, this group here are my real mothers, my real brothers and my real sisters. That's quite something. That's Jesus. That's God saying that. That's God pointing at you saying, yeah, I know there's a big crowd, but this one here, this one right here, he's my real son. He's my real son. What, what gets you in? Because there must be a qualification. Well, for a start, there was the crowd, and then he pointed at the disciples. So if you're a disciple, you're in. Which begs the question, what is a disciple? Other than a follower of Christ, because it says he pointed to the disciples and he said, this is my true family. So if a disciple is a true family, a true mother, brother, sister, how did they get into that place? Did they work really hard? Were they really clever? Were they like the bright ones in the group? Maybe they were the ones that could clap in time when they were doing praise and worship. You know, they moved all day. I was at conference last week and I got a text from one of my sons in the middle of the conference saying, Dad, would you please clap in time? Like, I'm at a conference, just leave me be. Jesus, and we're happy, we're good. In or out of time, we're good. Here's the deal. Jesus gives the answer to the question, which is awesome. I like it when there's a problem and Jesus gives the answer. In the same paragraph, he says this, anyone who hears God's word and obeys it is my true family. That's okay. Anyone who hears God's word and obeys it are my true family. So go back to Matthew chapter 7 again. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, which the word is supreme authority. Not everyone who calls out supreme authority or Jehovah, majesty, God, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter heaven. So the characteristic to be a true family member of God and a wise person are both the same. They hear the word and do the word. That's not, well, it's more difficult than it sounds, but it's not rocket science, is it? It's not. It's hear the word and do the word. How do you move from being part of the crowd to being part of the family of God? You hear Jesus, you hear the truth, not an opinion. You hear the truth, capital T. One of the challenges in the church in the West particularly is that we tend to raise our opinion above the truth of God. Often we make bold statements about what God may or may not think without understanding Scripture, without understanding context of Scripture, without understanding or knowing the truth of God, and we therefore elevate our opinion right up there. And at the end of the day, as lovely as you are, your opinion means squat when it comes to the things of God. It really does. When Jesus is the truth, capital T, we need to look at His way, His approach, His thoughts, which is why we've got the Bible, what He thinks on it. We need to hear that and then we need to obey that. How do we become part of the family of God? We hear Jesus, capital T, truth. We obey Jesus. It's not always easy, but it's not complex. It's very, very simple. Hear God, obey God. Those who hear God's Word and obey God's Word are His true mothers, brothers, sisters, the family of God. Salvation is all about hearing and obeying. That's what it's about. God, I hear the truth. I hear the truth that without you, I am lost. I hear the truth that sin has broken off the relationship with God and that without you, I'm on a pathway to destruction. And when I read your truth, it tells me the only way to life is through Jesus Christ. It says, you are the way, the truth and the life. You are the only way that is the way, truth and the life. I hear that and then I obey it by confessing and believing that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He has risen from the grave on the third day, victorious over sin and death, and that He is God, that He's restored the relationship. And as I put my faith and trust, belief in Him, I am now what we call saved. In other words, the connection is repaired and I am on that eternal journey of life with Him. It's not complex. Difficult sometimes, but not complex. Hearing, and obeying. Those who hear God's word and obey God's word are his true family. Not complex, is it? It's not. Not at all. It's not at all. My mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. Hear and obey. I like that. Sometimes we uh, complicate things so much that we end up frozen almost, not knowing what to do. But when you actually look into what Jesus is asking of us, 
he simplifies things. He says, there were all these laws in the Old Testament. Yep. Well, I've got two for you. Love God, love people. You do that, covers all of that. Love God, love people. Do that, you're part of my family because you're hearing and you're obeying. I wonder how many of us in this room tonight have either not heard the call of God for us to walk in relation with him, relationship with him, or we've simply not acted on it yet. Ben can come back if you'd like. It'd be great. We've not heard it or we've not acted on it yet. Because every week I like to create an opportunity where we can both hear and obey. And every week, people give their lives to Jesus. I got to speak with a lady this morning who responded to Christ. And um, she was just overwhelmed by the goodness of God. I go, that's what it's about. People coming into relationship with Him, simply hearing that He wants us to move into relationship and obeying. And it absolutely changes the world. Pip just said before, that was a wonderful communion too, Pip. Uh, that when she met Jesus, everything changed about her life. I can say the same thing. When I really encountered God, the whole direction of my life changed. Does it make it easy? No. Does it make it good? Yes. Makes it challenging. But I know I'm not alone. I'm with them. I wonder how many of us in this room tonight have not yet said yes to Jesus. Because there's an opportunity right now for us to do that. The truth of God is that without Him, we are lost. Without Him, we are on a path of destruction. Eternity, not just this life, but in eternity. The only way to change the path is through relationship with Jesus. When we say yes to Jesus on this life, it's not only this life, it's all eternity that we get to spend with Him. Now, I don't know what your picture of God is, but eternity with God will be awesome. It's not going to just be church service after church service after church service. It's going to be amazing. You just look around the planet. Look what He's created. Look at the diversity of life and, 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 and creation and the wonderful things. This is the God of eternity who we walk with, who we relate with, who wants us to spend eternity with Him. And He's done it all. He went to a cross. Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross in order that the relationship between humans and God could be restored. And the Father raised Him on the third day, back to life, victorious over death. The consequences of sin cancelled out. And He says, all you've got to do is put your faith in me, put your hope in me, choose me. Be part of my family.